you in so-called midlife and found yourself suddenly single after probably years of marriage and you're absolutely shitting it? Maybe you're on a divorce downer and have zero idea how the fuck to move on. Or you know how to in theory, but it's just not happening. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Divorce Chapter podcast, where we turn the unexpected divorce plot twist into a new and improved happily ever after. I'm Sarah Elizabeth, divorce coach and mentor, and I'm with you on this mission to rewrite our stories and make this next chapter the best goddamn one yet. Hello and welcome back to the Divorce Chapter Podcast with me, your host, Sarah Elizabeth. How are we all? I have finally moved all my life. It's been such a mission over the last couple of weeks and I'm shattered. I'm literally so exhausted and I ache in places I didn't even know I had. It's made me feel really fucking old, let me tell you. But it's been worth it. I'd been moving all the smaller stuff bit by bit. And that meant that gradually, bit by bit, Princess Cottage felt less and less like home. And Peach Palace, as it's now known, thanks to my granddaughter, has increasingly felt more me and more homely. I've got so many photos and knickknacks and signs and all that shit. Sorry about the signs. That reminds me of a friend's son who said that her signs all around him growing up left him with mixed messages. Always makes me laugh. But honestly, having all that stuff around me really does help to make it feel like home and Despite all my shit, I've still managed to fill a skip with all the touch that I don't need anymore. Although it does still feel a bit like I'm staying in an Airbnb or something at the moment, you know, like trying to work out where everything is and how everything works and not everything has been smooth. But hey, you know, we're here. And one of the things that has really struck me in this last week particularly is just how much I like everything done. It stresses the hell out of me having things disorganised or not being able to find homes for shit, having no order or just actually, you know, not having everything sorted immediately. And it struck me how that need to always have everything just so can be such a fucking curse at times. You'll know already from my story, I grew up with massive self-esteem issues, mostly around the way I looked, which led to this constant, I don't know, strive, I suppose, for what I thought was perfection. And I became a bit of a perfectionist. Mostly in the way I looked. And by the time I was a teenager, it all got a lot. My hair had to be just so, even though it never, ever, ever has gone 
how I've wanted it to. But anyway, I've worn a full face of makeup every day since I was about 13. Somehow I got away with it at school. I think because I was intelligent and always got the grades. So the deputy head who was renowned for making girls wipe off every speck of makeup, she somehow left me alone. And the makeup's always been such a thing, like not leaving the house without it. Except once, the day my mum died. I'd gone up to my mum and dad's house early in the morning when my dad had called and I'd literally thrown on a hoodie and jeans and skipped the makeup. And then a few hours later, my brother arrived because he lives the other side of the country. And when I answered the door, he took one look at me and went, fuck me, I thought it was mum who died. Like, if that doesn't tell you. (laughs) Makeup is a huge thing for me. Like my mask, some might say. But this perfectionism about the way I looked still never made me feel good because I still never looked the way I wanted to. And the whole thing just got seriously worse when I had my eldest son. I think in a lot of ways that was the real start of my high achieving ways. And I think at some level I was desperate to prove that I was not, air quotes, just a stereotypical teenage mum. Everything had to be perfect. I had to look right. The house had to be spotless and tidy at all times. My son had to look right. He was such a sicky baby. If he threw up, say he threw up on his top, I had to change the whole outfit to make sure that everything matched exactly. If I ever left him with his dad, I left him with entire outfit changes to make sure that he always looked exactly right, whatever the fuck right is. And on top of postnatal depression, or maybe that was all part of it, it was fucking exhausting. And yet even when the depression eased after my second son and I was then sterilised at 23 so that I never had to go through postnatal depression again, the intensity of that perfectionism still never quite lifted. It was like a seed was sown and everything had to be just a certain way which is really fucking hard when you have young kids. And so it became like a constant balancing act in trying to keep everything nice and ordered, but without destroying their childhood and without ruining their fun, which is a lot to keep going for many years. And probably why I then turned my perfectionism to my career. And, you know, I said before, I started studying for an open university degree. In those early days, particularly, I spent hours, and I mean hours, reading, rereading and rereading the assignments, then beating myself up when I didn't get 100%. Same as then, I went on to my master's and then working as a social worker. I hated being criticised in any way, like... If I hadn't done something completely right in the first place, it said something about me as a person, which of course I know now is utter bollocks. But back then, maybe not so much. You know, I had to progress through to senior management because otherwise what? I'm a failure? I don't know. The 
COVID pandemic really was a turning point in me slowing down and reflecting on my life and what actually makes me happy. And this constant fucking need to achieve, this constant trying to make everything amazing, it was bloody killing me. Which also then when I was thinking about this episode got me thinking about how much this high achieving side, this constant striving for fucking perfection impacted not only me through my divorce, but also how much divorce can seriously fuck with the heads of high achieving women more generally. Because let's face it, we feel a failure. We're not but we feel it. Often the marriage breakdown had everything to do with our ex cheating or fucking off and was absolutely nothing to do with us in that sense. Yet still we take on all the sense of lack. We take on that sense of failure. I've said before in a previous episode about the woman who stopped me at airport security and said she still felt such a sense of failure about her divorce. And it makes me so sad that we take on this feeling. Because even if, even if, right, the marriage was not okay, even if there were areas of the relationship that needed work, that is for both parties to work through together. It's not for the ex to run away and shag everything that fucking moves. But equally, it's not within your control to stop him. All we can take responsibility for is our own actions and our own responses and our own development. We cannot assume a sense of failure and make it mean something about us. If he isn't there meeting us halfway, if he's chosen to fuck off with someone else, that's never about you and always about him. But we try and make it about us, don't we? We say, you know... If I hadn't put on weight or if I'd lost weight or if I'd initiated sex more or made him more nice dinners or fucking whatever, if, 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 if he has chosen to break your marriage vows, ain't because you haven't shaved your legs for a month, love. There was an Instagram reel going around recently showing all the gorgeous, slim, funny, rich celebrities who'd been cheated on. Women I aspired to be because... If I could look like that, if I could be like that, if I could be like them, then then what? Then I'll get cheated on anyway, because it isn't about us. And we try and make it about us because as high achieving women, as perfectionists, we are so used to aspiring to be the fucking best, whatever that looks like, to not fuck up, to be more. By whose standards, I'll never fucking know. So what can we do when we're left with these feelings of failure, of not succeeding at something? First off, it's really important to give yourself a break. Nobody, and I mean nobody, can physically and emotionally be superwoman at a time like this. It is okay to grieve. It's okay to feel all the emotions. It's okay to not be on top of everything for once. You're human, my love, which means you're a human being, not a human doing. You're meant to just be. We get so caught up in having to be perfect 
use it for at the end of the day? Whose standards are you trying to attain? They are your standards. They're all self-imposed and therefore your own expectations. And when I say your, I'm talking to myself as well, yeah? The sense of failure is essentially unmet expectations of what should be. But that started with your expectations. And when those expectations involve someone else about who you have zero control over, it's impossible, impossible to attain. So give yourself a break. And when you're ready, it's also good to think about reframing what you perceive to be a failure. Apparently, when asked how he felt about failing to come up with a working light bulb, Thomas Edison said, I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And when I start to think about shoulda, woulda, coulda, I try to think about things in a different way, like it's all been an equation. That helps me. Now, I'm no mathematician or scientist, but at a basic level, generally, an equation is something like X plus Y equals Z, right? If something else goes into or out of the equation, there's going to be a different result. So let's say water, for example, it's H2O, right? So from my basic bitch chemistry knowledge, which is very basic, that's two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. So two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen makes water, H2O. Now, if you were to add potassium to that, apparently, if potassium is added to water, the metal melts and floats and it moves around really quickly on the surface, then self-ignites, which results in sparks and a flame, right? But if you were to add lithium to water, add it to H2O, that reacts intensely, forming lithium hydroxide and highly flammable hydrogen. Who knew? Thanks, Google, for that one. Now, we're not here for a chemistry lesson, and my brother, who is actually a chemist, would kill me if he heard this. But the point is, you can see how adding one other element to the equation changes the outcome. It's impossible for those elements to combine and produce any other outcome. So if you relate that back to your relationship, you plus your ex equaled a marriage. However, adding any other combination of elements to that, and you are going to get a different result. So you plus your ex plus an affair is going to equal a different kind of marriage. Or you plus your ex plus a new job. Or you plus your ex plus debt. Can you see how any combination of different elements is going to produce a different result? So putting the responsibility of a divorce solely on your shoulders is completely pointless. This could have happened. This should have happened. This would have happened. But it didn't. What you had was an equation of elements that couldn't have reached any other outcome. Yes, there is always learning, and that's so important for future us. Are there specific elements that in the future we may deal with differently and therefore change the equation to produce a different outcome? Absolutely. But you can't change the equations that have already taken place. It was already the perfect storm, if you like. You can't take away that one part of oxygen away from the two parts of hydrogen once it's made water. 
Another way to help reframe the damaging thoughts about the marriage ending and the so-called thoughts of failure is taking your thoughts to court. I'm coming at you today with all the concepts. It must be the new house energy. Anyway, right? Remember I talked in the episode about thinking about how our subconscious mind works and how we need to go back and reprogram, yeah? Now, one way to do this is thinking about your thoughts as being held up in court. So imagine there's the judge in front of you with a lovely wig. There's the jury all watching you with eagle eyes and you're on the stand and you've started with the prosecution. The end of this marriage is your fault. You are a failure. And the judge asks for your evidence. What are you going to give as your evidence to back up your claims? What are you going to give as evidence to back up your thoughts? I wasn't enough, Your Honour. Why? Because if I was, that wouldn't have happened. Really? That's the evidence that you've got? There's no need to spend a life sentence in an emotional prison for this shit, my love. You don't even need a good defence barrister to get you off that charge, seriously. So I hope that does all help at least a little bit in trying to think through things differently, to check in and challenge yourself as you're working through this stuff. Give yourself a fucking break. To truly work through this and not only survive divorce, but positively thrive, takes some doing and I'm here for it. I'm doing it all alongside with you. Back to Peach Palace and the chaos. I'm really trying hard to be kind to myself and not do it all in one hit. And remember that my expectations are just mine. They're nobody else's. I imagine I'm standing in court giving evidence as to why I'm a failure because I haven't got the house straight yet. You see, when we stop and think about it, there is so much more to all this. And that's exactly why I started doing this work, because if I can, in some small way, help you too with everything I've learned, and I'm still learning all the time, I'm learning every day. If I can help you with that, that fills me with joy. So thank you so much, as always, for listening to the Divorce Chapter podcast. If you think this episode or any of the episodes might help someone else you know, please do share the podcast with your friends on social media. Fucking hell, by pigeon if you can. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And until next time, have a great week with loads of love for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Divorce Chapter Podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode, please could you do your girl a solid and rate and review the podcast. Wherever you listen, there should be an option to rate and review. And honestly, I can't tell you just how much it helps the podcast algorithm thingamajigs, whatever. And bonus love for me if you share the episode with your friends and on your socials and tag me in it at the divorce chapter. Thank you again so very, very much. I appreciate every single one of you beautiful humans. Have an amazing day.